Uh, would you turn to uh, second, second Peter, second Peter, and chapter three, second Peter, chapter three. And once you're there, if you would stand, please, for the reading of God's word. We're going to read from uh, the first verse, second Peter, uh, chapter three. And if you would stand for the reading of God's word, Amen. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in which, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water in the water, whereby the world that them was being overflowed with water, it perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Lord, we pray that you would bless your word that you would speak tonight in this room. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come to bring conviction of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. Lord, we pray that you would arrest hearts in this room, those that are not saved, those that are outside of Christ, that you would speak to them, Lord, that you would open their ears, open their hearts, and open their eyes, enlighten their understanding of their need of a Savior. Oh God, tonight we ask that you would move, that you would glorify your name through the preaching of your word. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to speak for a few moments uh, tonight on the long-suffering of God. The long-suffering of God. Do you know, if anyone asks you the question, why has the Lord Jesus Christ not returned for his church? I want to tell you that there's only one biblical reason why he has not come back. Now, I know there's many experts concerning eschatology, 
in the last days and all the great insights that men claim to have. But I want to tell you tonight, there's only one reason why he has not come back. And that is because we serve a God who is long-suffering. See, if you're in this room tonight and you're not saved, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own and personal Savior, and you'll know, you'll know tonight you cannot be saved and not know it. You cannot be born again and not know it. If you're in this room tonight and you're not saved, you're not walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason why God still has not come back to this earth, but He will, is simply that He's not willing that any should perish. And He is long-suffering. He is so patient. He is waiting even for you in this room to come to Him tonight in repentance and faith and to be saved. You know, the disciples sat with the Lord on the Mount of Olives about 2,000 years ago and they inquired of the Lord concerning the last days, the end of the world, the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24 and verse 3, it says, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They inquired after the Lord to know a revelation concerning these things. You know, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 10 at the ascension of Christ, that while they stood up steadfastly looking, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And they said to these men, they said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you up, gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The promise was given of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Jesus will come again. And the disciples were inquiring after the indications, the signs, uh, what would indicate the coming of the Lord and the end of the world. And the Lord in those great chapters, if you have the time, in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, the Lord began to expound to them the prophetic offense that will unfold the signs and the indications that we will see uh, just prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe, uh, like many others believe, that all those indications and those signs are all around us in the day that we live. We are on the verge, we are on the very verge of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The promise was given uh, that this same Jesus, not another Jesus, but this same Jesus shall return in like fashion as you've seen him go. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus tells us there that after the days of the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars of heaven shall fall, the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And verse 26 says these words, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he shall send his angels and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from the uttermost part of the earth, even to the uttermost part of heaven, there will be a great gathering in of the people of God. And we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. The Lord is coming, and His coming is a promise. But in our reading tonight, you note that we read that in the last days there will be scoffers, there will be mockers that will 
begin to mock this second coming of the Lord. Uh, they will begin to laugh and mock that this promise that has been given to the bride, that the Lord will come again. They will begin to say, where is the promise of His coming? Even there's some in this room tonight uh, that are not saved, who regularly attend, will already be saying, but we have heard you preach, uh, Tim, about the second coming of the Lord many times. We've heard many preachers stand on this pulpit and preach about the second coming of the Lord. We've heard all this before. You continue to preach about this second coming of the Lord, but where is the promise of His coming? Where is the reality of this promise that the church of Jesus Christ, you see, this promise was planted into the heart of the bride of Christ. That's the church. This promise was given to the church that this same Jesus shall return again in like fashion. This is a promise that we hold as the bride of Christ, regardless of our denomination, regardless of the title above our door. It's the bride of Christ that holds this wonderful promise that this same Jesus that ascended 2,000 years ago, He's coming again in the clouds in great power and great glory. And the mockers will begin to manifest themselves. This second coming of the Lord where is it? We've heard this even from the beginning. Knowing this first, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3 and 3, that there shall come last day scoffers. Last day scoffers. People that will mock the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This promise that we believe, that we look up, that we're waiting for, that we look into the heavens, not around us in the troubles of this earth, but we're looking up, waiting, and expecting the coming of the Lord. But Second Peter 3 and 3 says this, Knowing this first, there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise? Where is this promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Everything is just carrying on as normal. People are living their lives. People are getting on with their lives. People are building. People are marrying. People are going here and going there. But where is this promise of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Even in this room tonight, on the 22nd of May 2022, there are people even in their hearts tonight maybe saying these very words. We have heard this before. Mocking in their heart the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why has He not come? Yes, the signs are here. But why has He not come? Well, in this very same chapter, we find out the biblical explanation why Christ has not come. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 8, it says this, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Now listen carefully. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But listen to this. Unsaved person in this room, those that don't know the Lord, I want you to listen very clearly. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but He's long-suffering toward us. The Savior is waiting. 
The Lord is waiting patiently. He's not willing that one person, male, female, young or old, He's not willing that one person in this room would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Then this is what he says. But the day of the Lord will come. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. A time when you least expect it. A time perhaps even when that heart is filled with mockery and those lips are filled with scoffing. A time when you least expect it. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. The Bible tells us that the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements will begin to melt, melt with a fervent heat. The earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. What a day this is going to be. What a moment in the history of mankind when the Lord Jesus Christ burst through those clouds for the church of Jesus Christ. Be not ignorant of this one thing. The Lord's not willing that any would perish. He's long-suffering. The long-suffering is God. The long-suffering of God in no way, in no way, in no way it does it in any way for us tonight underestimate the ability of God to fulfill His promise. This world is about to see the second coming of the Lord. And what a moment that's going to be when He comes riding on those clouds and all the glory and splendor of heaven with 10,000 times 10,000 of His angels, when He comes bursting through the clouds and all of this world will look up and witness the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The dead in Christ will arise up out of the graves. We which were alive and are saved and are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ in a moment will be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. That moment is upon us. And the only reason it has not happened is because God's not willing that you'd perish. The long suffering of God. The example in the Old Testament the Lord draws us to in Luke chapter 17. He points out to another day as it was in the days of Noah. The Lord Himself points us back in the, the days of Noah and says, So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. In verse 27 of Luke 17, He says, They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. And then this is what the Bible says, Until that day that Noah entered into that ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. In the, same, in the first epistle of Peter in chapter 3, it says these words, When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Think about it, that God waited. He waited patiently in the days of Noah. Listen, unsaved person in this room tonight, this is just not another meeting. Not just another Sunday night. Not just another hour and a half to push through. I want to tell you something tonight. There's a gracious Savior and He's waiting. He's patiently waiting. He's long-suffering. Not that anyone in this room would perish. He's waiting for you to come to repentance. In the days of Noah, He waited 
while that ark was being prepared, wherein few, that is, even eight souls were saved. But while Noah, who by faith built that ark, faithfully building that ark for the saving of his family, it tells us that God waited. He patiently waited. He pleaded. The Bible says his wickedness rose in those days. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, the Lord said, and listen carefully tonight, because these are serious things, because we're dealing with the souls of men. In Genesis chapter 6 and 3, as wickedness began to rise, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. God was striving with men to be saved. God was speaking to hearts to be saved. Whether it's through someone giving you a gospel tract, whether it's through a praying mother or a praying father, whether it's through a friend that's pleading with you to get right with the Lord. But in all of those things, the Spirit of God is striving to bring men and women and boys and girls to Jesus. But God said, My Spirit shall not always strive with man, for that He is also His flesh, Yet his day shall be 120 years. 1 Peter 3 and 20. The long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. He waited. He patiently waited while the ark was being prepared. God waited. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and verse 7 that by faith Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the entire world around him and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I want to warn you tonight. I want to warn you that God is not slack concerning his promise. I want to warn you tonight that you feel that you can carry on and live your life as you please. But I want to warn you tonight. It's a warning from Scripture. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. The day of the Lord even is at hand. Why did God wait? And why is God waiting tonight? When in Psalm 86 and verse 15, I believe this is the reason. But thou, O Lord, the Bible says, art a God that's full of compassion. He's a God that's so gracious. He's a God tonight that is long-suffering. He's a God that is plenteous in mercy and in truth. It's the full compassion, mercy, and long-suffering of God. That's why He hasn't come. He's full of compassion towards you. Even though we go our own way, we are prone to wonder. We leave the God that we love. Maybe there's a backslider tonight and you've walked away from the Lord. You're not living like you used to live for the Lord and you're cold in your heart tonight. Can I tell you tonight, there's a God that's full of compassion. There's a God that's full of mercy. There's a God that's waiting for you to return unto Him. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness. But I want to tell you, friends, every word in this book is going to be fulfilled. There's going to be not one jot or one word that he will not fulfill. The promise of his coming. You know, when we look back into that Old Testament, we see so many shadows and type, types of the Lord's mercy and the Lord's long-suffering. We see it right as we're looking in the days of Noah. 
This man who was faithful and by faith he built that ark to the saving of his family. But when you look in Scripture, you know, it's just a, a profound thing. Some people say the Bible is just a book written by men. I want to tell you something that's so much more. It's men that were inspired of the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost that brought these books all together that we have this wonderful treasure trove and insight into the God that we love and we serve. And all of it's to do with one man. That man is Jesus. And everywhere you look, if the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and you begin to search, you'll see Him in every aspect of every book in the Bible. It's all about this man, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But you know, when we look back to our first the first man, the first father, his name was Adam. In the beginning, God created. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And after Adam sinned, and that's how sin and death is passed in to this entire world. But we know from the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5 that Adam lived till he was 930 years old. That's how long he lived. That's a long time to live. That's a long time to be alive. 930 years old. And this man, Adam, as you begin to look at the genealogy, and we cover, we'll cover it a little bit in the Wednesday night Bible study, but the seventh from Adam was a man by the name of Enoch. And Enoch was an amazing character in God's Word. The Bible tells us of Enoch that because of his faith, Enoch was translated that he should not taste death and was not found because God translated him. That means he lifted him from this earth, translated him into the glories of heaven because he had a testimony. This testimony was very simple, but it was so profound. He was a man that pleased God and God took him. From Adam right down to Enoch, you see the godly line as it begins to unfold. But at that time also, sin was beginning to take its grip on this planet and into the human race. Enoch was a prophet. He prophesied way back then. He prophesied in Jude verses 14, the seventh of Adam. Behold, he said, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch was a prophet. Enoch had a revelation from the Spirit of God that there come a time when God the Lord would burst through the clouds with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon the earth. This prophet of the Lord was able to prophesy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But before he left this earth and was translated to heaven, he did not taste death. He had a son. His son, this is so important because it gives us a revelation of the long-suffering of God. His son became the man who became the oldest living man that's ever lived. And his name was Methuselah. I'm going to ask the kids, because they should listen in Sunday school, does anybody know how long Methuselah lived? Put your hand up if you know. I'm going to ask the older ones first then. Does any of the older ones know? My dad will know. Jean? 
That's exactly. He lived 969 years. That's a long time, isn't it? That's a long time. He called him Methuselah. 969 years old. His name means when he dies, judgment. Or others believe it means when he is dead, it shall be sent. The long suffering of God, that in that name, this is so profound, that in that name, Methuselah, God would bring a revelation of his long suffering to that world. Enoch prophesied of the coming of the Lord. An interesting point is this, that when Methuselah was born, Adam was still alive and was 687 years old. Some people wonder how we got our information. Well, it's just been passed down from generation to generation. Not only that, but God has inspired his word and given us the Genesis account. That's how we know that this earth is only between four, six or 8,000 years old because in the beginning God created the world. And here is Methuselah who was the grandfather of Noah. He was the grandfather of Noah. It's all right. This is no problem. I'm not worried about it. I'm used to screaming kids. Not in my house, but <laughs> just the odd time. Methuselah was 969 years old. He's the grandfather of Noah. Adam was 687 when Methuselah was born. What a connection. And Methuselah lived 969 years. And Enoch was prophesying of the coming of the Lord. And in that name, in his name, it simply meant when he dies, when he dies, judgment will come, the long suffering of God. Do you know the day that the flood, the year, the same year that the flood came, Methuselah died. The long suffering of God. In 1 Peter 3 and 20, it says these words again. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The long suffering of God. One day for sure, one day for sure, I believe it's very soon, God will fulfill his promise and he'll come for his church. Enoch prophesied that he will execute judgment. I want to tell you something. The Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die. And after this, listen, after this, the judgment. I spoke to a man this week standing in the street. We're talking about many things and then we came around to the things of God. He's not a saved man. And I said to him, look, everyone's going to agree and a lot of things, but here's one thing we'll all agree on, that every person all around us here today is going to die. It's appointed on the man wants to die. And he says, absolutely, I believe that 100%. And I says, but listen, there's two words that come after that. After this, the judgment. 
God's not slack concerning his promise. God's been so patient. There are some in this room tonight, and you know God's been so patient. He's been so long-suffering. He's been so slow to anger. He's full of compassion and mercy. But he's coming. Listen, he's coming. The last day scoffers will increase. The reason he hasn't come is because he's not willing that any would perish. That's you if you're not saved. But he will come. There will be a judgment. Revelation chapter 20 says these words in verse 11, that I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. I saw the dead, the small and the great stand before God. One day you'll stand before God. You don't know him, you'll stand before him. And the books will be opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea will give up their dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell will be cast in to the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, that's what the Bible says, was cast into a lake of fire. Friends, that's what the Bible says. A lake of fire. God's not willing that any should perish. And the only reason he hasn't come is because he's waiting for you. Beloved, be ignorant, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that you should perish, but that you come to repentance. But let me tell you, friends, listen very carefully as I close. You need to know this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Friends, I believe that he's coming very soon. He's coming very soon. It's time to get right with God. Let us pray.